Introducing the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author Christine Carlson. With 25 million copies in print, learn how the Don't Sweat wisdom can help you achieve greater mental health and better communication with your family, friends, and coworkers from a beloved teacher. Rediscover your passion, joy, and self-compassion to awaken your most vibrant life. Listen in now for the Practicing Happiness series featuring Christine's interviews with experts in the art and science of happiness and discover how you can master life in a way that will help you fulfill your human potential. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So just wherever you are, sit comfortably, bring your shoulders back, let your head rest on top of your shoulders. Where else is it going to go? But just if you're driving, just pay attention to the road. This is only meant to be a deep breathing exercise to get you really present in your body. So place your hands on your lap with your palms upright and just begin to breathe. Tuning into your breath on the inhale, allow your chest and your belly to expand, taking in the fullness of that breath. And exhale just as deeply, allowing your body to relax, allowing yourself to let go. This time as you breathe in, Breathe in golden sunlight to every cell of your being, to the tip of your head, to your fingers, to your toes. Just fill your whole body with sunlight. And as you exhale, relax deeper, letting go. This time as you breathe in, breathe in love. Fill your body with love. Fill your heart with love. Pure love. And as you exhale, let go of fear, allowing yourself to relax a little deeper and let go a little more. And this time as you breathe in, put your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment in gratitude, pure gratitude for something somebody said to you, Recently, a place you visited, just anything. It could be just breathing, being grateful for your breath. And just breathe in that gratitude and exhale and let go. Breathing in one more time and exhaling, open your eyes. Doesn't that feel so good? It feels so good to just become so present. Well, I'm so excited um, to invite this very special guest on today. Her name is Michelle Guilan, and I'm I'm looking for her bio right now. <laughs> Hold on. Well, here, I'm going to tell you what I know about her because I can't find her bio in, in my little screen here. So I'm going to tell you what I know about her. I know Michelle Guilan to have a background in um, broadcasting, and I'm going to let her tell you about her story, but she left broadcasting to study positive psychology and do research in positive psychology. 
And she's recently written um, a, well, this last year, I guess it was about a year ago, she wrote a national bestseller called Broadcasting Happiness. So I thought it would be amazing if she kicked off our first interview on practicing happiness in the Practicing Happiness series. Um, and Michelle is, she's a partner and in love with her husband, Sean Acor. He is also the best-selling author of the, ha um, the Happiness Advantage and Before Happiness. And they are both just a power couple. I just love them both so much. And I'm so honored, Michelle, to have you on my podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yay. Well, you know, I immediately thought of you um, to kick off this, um, this, you know, Practicing Happiness podcast because I really feel like your book was so powerful in the way you approached it. And I wanted you to just begin by sharing your story about how you did that big pivot turn from um, broadcasting to researching happiness and positive psychology. It's such an amazing story. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, through part of it, as with most uh, crazy turns in your life, my friends thought I was crazy. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but thank goodness it all worked out. So I was anchoring the national news at CBS News, a job that I'd worked very hard for. Uh, and I started to look at the newscast and, and saw how negative it is, which, I mean, everyone at home sees that so clearly. Um, but more importantly, what I wanted to understand, if, if we're not going to tell the stories in that way, is how can we talk about the news, not only on the news, but in our own lives, the challenging events we go through, the hardships that we're experiencing, in a way that actually leaves us and the people around us empowered and ready to take action and move forward. So, and so here's the part where everyone thought I was a little crazy. I left my job <laughs> and I went and back to school, I studied positive psychology, which is the scientific ha uh, study of happiness and human potential. And I studied under Dr. Martin Seligman, the founder of the field at the University of Pennsylvania, phenomenal program. And while there though, I, I had this epiphany, which is that we are all broadcasters. It's not some special power reserved for celebrities or newscasters or, or professional athletes. We all have this immense power to influence the people around us through what we choose to talk about. And those small choices either create success for us or they hold us back. So now as a researcher, what I do is uh, I'm partnered up with my husband, Sean Acor, and also academics from Harvard and Yale and Stanford. And we ask the questions about uh, to understand how can we communicate to our families, to our friends, to our uh, business colleagues in a way that inspires everyone, it uh, takes a solutions-focused approach to problems, and it helps us all achieve the successes that not only do we so much desire for our lives, but we have the potential to achieve. Um, and so together I call that broadcasting happiness. I merge the two worlds. Um, but really it's about broadcasting and, and communicating with other people, this empowered mindset that helps them and you at the same time. And I think of that as such a powerful life practice, isn't it, to really choose our words carefully. And it's a mindful approach to living. It's really being mindful about what we decide and how we decide to talk about the dramas in our lives and the things that, you know, we can get into habits, like unknown habits of speaking 
and without even being present to the fact that we're doing exactly that, we're, we're broadcasting unhappiness or we're taking the tragic events. You know, I, I read recently, oh, I don't know, did you see that? You know what really spurred me in this interview? I just thought of this is, did you see that Facebook post, um, that live interaction? I didn't look at it, but with that mom and her teenage daughter and and how she posted that live beating on Facebook. I, I just, that's what really made me pick up, you know, get on the computer and say, oh my God, I need to have Michelle on. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I was just, I was just mortified that a human being would choose that particular venue and that way to shame her daughter. And, you know, and it's just an example of how symptomatic our culture has gotten about broadcasting unhappiness, right? And and using it as a means of shame. And, oh man, I just really wanted to talk to you about that because I just thought that was just horrid. <laughs> yeah, that's that pained me so much. So, and I made the same choice you did. I had heard about it and I read articles about it, but I chose not to engage by going to look at the video. And I think what this, this hits on so many levels of behavior that I, I don't support, and is it, it goes against everything that we all talk about. Um, by making that choice, not only did it send a ripple effect to her daughter, which I think should be the person she'd care about most in this world, but also it, it sends a ripple effect to all the other parents, all the other children, and and then it sends messages about how we use social media. Yeah. Um, the, the inspiring thing is that in the midst of stories like that, or uh, this obsessive focus on the negative when it comes to news coverage. Uh, what we're seeing, though, is that people have had enough, and so many people who, as the as we uh, rise up, as as our consciousness, we, you know, as, we, as we become more enlightened and more aware. I mean, people are making choices not to consume that kind of content, Absolutely. which gives less power to the people creating that content. Um, so. I hope we're we're trending in a good direction, and I think we are, which is hope, a hopeful picture. Yeah. So, give us an example, if you would. You know, like how do we? You know, because I'm sure you get this question all the time. You know that that there is this balance. You know, between being aware of the news, which is what what I do. Like, I don't I don't subscribe to newspapers. I don't turn on. Um, CNN or Fox News or, or you know any of the news channels and have them rolling in my house because it's just all so negative, and yet I do my best to try and keep abreast of you know political issues and try and choose articles to read that that really speak to what I need to know, but not speak to you know things that create more fear, create more panic, create more drama, because somebody you know I mean people do feel like there there is so much tragedy going on. But is there really more tragedy going on, or is there just more reporting of tragedy? That's what I always want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, so there's three studies that, uh, or pieces of research that I'd love to share because I think this will absolutely speak to what you're talking about and point to why the approach that you're taking is actually the right one. Um, first of all, according to Harvard researcher Steven Pinker, we're living in the safest times in human history as uh, tabulated by, you know, the amount of number of people, uh, sorry, the number of people affected by diseases and wars and death. And so, but, you know, you turn on the news and you don't get that picture. So 
what that says is it's not that we don't have work to do as a society, as the world. Um, we just, but we can't forget all the progress that we've been able to make all of these years because ultimately focusing on that progress and how we've been successful then can propel us to make more positive change in the future. We don't think our behavior matters. Well, it doesn't matter for the future either, so we won't really do anything. The second piece of the research that I think has been life-changing for me, we ran a study with Ariana Huffington, this is Sean and I, and what we found is just three minutes of negative news in the morning can lead to a 27% higher likelihood of you reporting your day as unhappy six to eight hours later. Wow. So instead of taking a vitamin in the morning, by just taking that three-minute dose of negative news, we're transforming the trajectory of our day. Wow. So well, I think that the approach that you're taking is absolutely the right one. It's stay informed, be in the know about what's going on, because I think that that obviously helps us make better decisions, but be really careful about the kind of news that we are consuming. So the, the news that's the worst is it, it, these are stories that don't necessarily directly affect our lives and we cannot do anything about. So a car crash on the highway in a town that we don't, live near. Those are things that we can't do much about. And so therefore, a barrage of those send our, our brain the message, our behavior doesn't matter. Now, there are lots of things in this world that are beyond our control. The problem is when our brain starts to believe that all things are beyond our control. And we take that mindset with us to work. Now, on the flip side, the last piece of research that I think fits so nicely in this puzzle is the uh, most recent study we did, which is what happens when we don't just talk about the problem, but like many journalists are starting to do, we talk about the solutions that we can take in response. And so this is stuff we can use in our own lives as well as we uh, face challenges. Um, what we found is that merely presenting somebody that you're talking to with potential solutions that they could actually take right now, simple things, it improves creative problem-solving abilities by 20%, improves mood significantly. So whether they actually take that step or not, just showing the brain that there's a path forward helps them feel more empowered and actually do better and feel better in their lives. That's really amazing. That makes so much sense. You know, that's one of the things I've always told my kids is there's always a solution to every problem. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, it's not just about the problem. In fact, problems don't even seem like problems if you look at it that way. You just look like, it, oh, I've hit a bump in the road and I have to find my way around the bump. You know, like yes. it, it's, it's, a, it's a very positive approach to living life, really. And it's a great practice. So I hope everyone is really hearing that, that this isn't just about the news. This is about how you practice in your own life, about how it's really, we can all get into our problems. But if we can get into the idea that there is several different possible routes or solutions to the things that we're upset about, then that's even a more positive approach and a more positive life practice and a way of practicing happiness. Absolutely. And think about the messages that we broadcast to our friends and our family, either about the, our own challenges if you know we're trying to get a new job and the job market's not doing as well as we'd like or we're feeling lonely, how are we talking about it? How's that influencing the way they think about things? And then also when the people that we love and care about the most come to us with their problems, what do we say? Do we raise the ante and get upset with them? Or do we 
acknowledge their feelings, acknowledge the suffering that they're, they're experiencing at that moment, but then also help move their brain from problem to solution. That second route is so much more powerful in transforming the uh, outcomes of situations that we're facing. Yeah, I mean, true commiseration doesn't really do anything to solve a problem. It usually just deepens the well that it goes in. Who <laughs> <laughs> wants to be in that well? No one. <laughs> yeah, and yet there is this, again, there's that tightrope between, like, really allowing somebody to empty and vent and, you know, sometimes, and just be open to listening, you know, especially you find with teenagers and people you're close to that, like sometimes they just, they don't really want to hear the solutions right away. They want to just vent and that's, you know, that's okay too. As long as at some point you kind of, I think, circle back around and, and say, Hey, let's take a look at this when you're in a better mood, you know? Yeah. I've told my husband a couple of times, you know, okay, so with this one, I just need to get this off. (laughs) And we'll talk about solutions maybe tomorrow when I'm feeling a little better. Yeah. And that's a great cue. You know, that's a way we can cue each other about listening and just being a good listener. And, you know, sometimes that's just so mood related to it. Really. We always say that what looks like a problem in a high mood is not a problem, right? It's just that you're in a low mood and and it it looks everything looks bad when you're in a low mood and things annoy you when you're in a low mood but if you wait till your mood rises then that same thing might not even be on your radar absolutely i totally believe that <laughs> so um tell me um how let's see let's say in um tell me where you want to go from here on this conversation like what would you like people to know about your book broadcasting happiness well, I, what I would love to share is, you know, if people are really interested in, in practicing happiness habits, as I'm sure they are because they're listening to your podcast, um, then, you know, one of the ones that I love the most that's literally a three-second game changer is something I call the power lead. This is taken my, from my days in media, but totally applicable to any of our broadcasts. Um, the question to ask oneself is, what's our broadcast? What are we talking about to people? But most importantly, what's our top story? So when someone asks you, hey, how are you doing? What are we talking about? I used to say when I was working overnights and feeling terrible all evening long, (laughs) I used to say, oh, I'm stressed. Oh, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I must have been so pleasant to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I decided to switch it up because I basically got tired of hearing myself. Uh, And what I started talking about were simple positive, meaningful things. So the power lead is something positive and meaningful that you can say to give someone a window into your world, to take the lead on the conversation and send it in a, in a positive direction. As a researcher, if I know just the first few words of a conversation, I have a high degree of likelihood of predicting the outcome of that conversation. We've all been in meetings at work where someone starts off negative. Oh, God. Yeah, that's so true. Well, that's a very that is so um, that is really empowering to give people that information about a power lead, a lead story that you have. I love that. That's that's I I always try and, you know, sometimes in emails for an example, like I'll often like I'll write my email because I'm very direct, you know, and I write very short and direct emails, you know, that, that, that are like three liners, you know, it's like, do you want to do this? But then I always like, I go back to the beginning before I send it and I add something in there, you know, that's like, Hey, how are you? You know, or things, how is life going? But I don't often write it that way, you know, but I always go back because I think about that, like, 
wow, you know, this person hasn't heard from me in ages. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle hasn't heard from me in ages. And here I'm like, hey, do you want to do this podcast interview? <laughs> you know, there is, there is that, there's that, that's a way to go back. And I always remember Richard was always really complimented on his emails because he took such a, a great care in setting it up, you know, like really taking care of the other person first and making them feel important to the email, you know, and, and I always like remember that, even though that's not how I write them in the beginning. <laughs> Listen, when you, if you're doing it, when it hits, when you hit send, if it's good, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and think about it. It literally transforms how people read the rest of the email. I think that email can be the equivalent of having brain damage because it's all the content, but none of the context or tone of voice or whatever. So you're getting the information, but you're not getting the rest of it. Right. So I've had that experience where I've had people send me emails and I think they're either not being nice or they hate me or I've done something wrong. And it's, no, they're just were busy and they fired it off really quick and didn't put any niceties. Um, the power can be so simple too in our conversations. It can be, how are you doing? Ah, oh, I'm good. I had breakfast with my son this morning. He was being so cute, right? So simple. And yet it prompts someone else to probably match in kind. So they're going to say something positive about their life. It's the best thing, by the way, if you're dealing with negative people before they even get in there and say something negative, you can say, Hey, today's a great day. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've I've tried that with my daughter several times over the years. <laughs> it's a great day today. It's gonna get even better. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh wow. Well, I think that's wonderful. And um I think that you and Sean are just doing such amazing work in the world and every chance I get I I um tell people that I'm I've been so blessed to meet you guys and, and have a little um, time with you because you're doing such great things and we look forward what's what's next for you on the horizon um well thank by the way thank you and the feelings are so mutual uh, i just adore you um so uh let's see next on the well we just finished shooting a pbs special yay yes and it airs starting in december for the next two years you can catch oh my gosh yeah it'll be it's a one hour uh, pledge special that'll um it's a lecture program that'll talk about how to apply this research, but in a new way that we haven't talked about so much before, we are looking at how you can inspire happiness in others. So if you're trying to help your teenage daughter feel more confident, if you're helping your partner or your husband feel like he can switch to a new job that he wanted to for a while, um, and your aging parents so that they feel optimistic about their future, all those scenarios, you know, we tackle them and about how to apply this research with other people. So, uh, so I'm very excited about it, and hopefully people will catch the program on TV. It'll be on PBS. That's awesome. That's so exciting. And then tell us where we can find more out about you. Which website would you like people to go to? So probably the easiest to remember is broadcastinghappiness.com. And um, while you're there, if, someone is, if anyone's interested, I invite everyone to take uh, something called the success scale, which is a 30-question assessment. It uh, assesses your the three greatest predictors of your long-term levels of success and at work. You can also just substitute the words at work and apply it to really any domain of your life. But it's fun and easy and free, and you get an interpretive report and your scores. Um, it's really interesting. How fun. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I can't 
tell you how um, much gratitude I feel just just seeing your face. We're on Skype, by the way, even though this is just an audio call. I'm looking at <laughs> Michelle's beautiful face, and she's just smiling ear to ear. It just makes me happy to look at you and see you. So um, thank you so much for you know being on the podcast, and I know our listeners will really enjoy this conversation. And we're definitely doing our part of broadcasting happiness, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so come back and listen again, and thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practicing Happiness series on the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with Christine Carlson. Chris has a free gift to offer you. Do you need a daily reminder to practice happiness? You can download a beautiful free print and lock screen for your phone and computer featuring a quote from Dr. Richard Carlson. The reminder you need will be at your fingertips daily. This free gift can be found at christinecarlson.com forward slash happy. Download it now.